to benefit the adults as well, I've even put the text that was so beautifully read by Miriam and Matthew for us a moment ago. That's the first box on the left-hand side, because we're going to pick out, let's pick out the words from the Bible together, children, okay? We're going to do that together as well. So here's number one. Here's box one, okay? Listen in real careful. How does the Bible, children, here we go. How does the Bible describe us before we become Christians? What picture? What picture does the Bible give us to describe what state we're in before someone becomes a Christian? Okay? Verse 1. Can you look at it? The very top of that little paragraph there. Verse 1. Here it is. It's on the screens now for everyone to see. Here it is. As for you, the apostle says, he's talking to the whole church in Ephesus and all of us. As for you, he says, you were dead, dead, dead in your transgressions and sins. There's a picture. Now I'd like to see this. Can I get one of the children? Would, would someone like to volunteer to be a motionless corpse? Anyone? Anyone like to volunteer to do that? If you don't volunteer, oh, great. Judith. Judith is going to be a motionless corpse. Thank you, Judith. Can we see that? Can we see this on the live stream? We have a motionless corpse. It's a little bit morbid. Now, here's, here's my question, OK? Here we go. Consider, consider Judith on the floor here. Um, this is how much power and potential someone has to become a Christian. Here it is, demonstrated on the floor before us. Now, you might, we might want, we might wish for Judith to become a Christian, right? I could take her into a beautiful church building. I could take this corpse into a beautiful building and show the building all, all around the majesty of a church building like this. We could go to Westminster Abbey and see a service like we saw last Monday, right? With all the fanfare and the organs and the stained glass and all that kind of thing. Would that have any effect on someone like this? I could give this person a really good book or a podcast or a YouTube video. I could present it to them. Maybe even the St. John South End YouTube channel. I could say, here you go, have a look at some of the videos. Would that do anything for poor Judith? No. We could even sing songs. We could do all sorts of things. We could try everything. But here is the picture. How is it then? How is it? Wait, you've still got to stay there, Judith. Wait for the dramatic moment. How is it that Judith can respond and become a Christian? Here's the picture that God's given us. It is not possible without resurrection power. Can we see? Look at it. Look down now at verse 4. Find verse 4 on your sheets. Here it is. Verse 4, about uh, not quite halfway down. But God, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. So, Judith, you can be raised up because the power of God, here we go, it's not my voice, the power of God, here she comes. Resurrection life. Yes. Get up out of that grave. 
<laughs> so only, only, can we get this? May we know this as a church. Only God makes Christians. Simple point. Simple first point. Only, only God makes Christians. So we pray, don't we? That is why we pray. Because our contribution in all of this, we can do nothing but ask God to do it. God, would you do it? Would you get that person up out of that grave? When we sing that, when we sing it in the song, we're praying it, aren't we? Get up out of that grave. We're praying that prayer. Only God does that work. And so we pray. So here we go, box one pitch. I've got some suggestions for you just to capture this. Uh, you could do a gravestone, like cracking into two pieces, the big RIP sign on it, gravestone, cracking into two pieces. You could do a heart rate monitor that's kind of flat line, but then boop, boop, kicks back into action. Resurrection power. You could do maybe an eye opening up. Or Judith, like there she was, sort of clambering up out of the grave. Resurrection power. And you could add some prayer hands to it if you want. Yeah. And maybe the slogan, only God makes alive. Only God makes Christians. That could be box one. Right, children, draw your best box one. Let me talk to the adults for two seconds. So adults, in a few weeks' time, we're going to baptise. I'm just going to say this because you deserve an explanation. I know, I know that um, it may not be so familiar for some people in this church to baptise children and infants. So you, you're, you're deserving of a bit of an explanation. Let me give you at least one. Here's why I'm prepared to do it. I'm prepared to do it as a declaration of Ephesians 2, verse 5. In baptism, we're saying, if I've got a little child or a little infant in front of me being baptised, I'm saying, only God makes someone live. And so we pray. The church gathers round and we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, make this person live. It doesn't matter if you're 80. It doesn't matter if you're 18. It doesn't matter if you're eight days old. I, I believe and I declare with Ephesians 2 verse 5, only God makes alive. The only contribution I can make as a minister and the only contribution we can all make in that moment of baptism is prayer. We pray for it. Lord, make this child live. Make this candidate live. Now, I get it. There are other things to be said about baptism. Lots of things that could be said about baptism. But there's a little note for what we're doing in a few weeks' time. And incidentally, October 16th, still the opportunity. The opportunity is there. If you would like to, if you've never been baptised before, or you'd like to have your child baptised, please come forward. Right, second. Second box, children. We're saved by God's power. God makes Christians. God makes Christians. Now, what is the transformation? What happens when someone becomes a Christian? We're going to look at the end of verse 3. So nine lines down. Can you find the little... Uh, no, it's not nine lines down. Yeah, no, it is because we're going to the end of verse 3. Can you find the phrase on your sheets, like the rest? It's at the bottom of the screens. Can you find this, the little phrase on your sheets, like the the rest. Can you see that? I'm going to read from there, just a few verses. Track with me. Like the rest, we were by nature 
deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Now listen to this, verse 6. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So let me picture that for you, and then you're going to draw it. Here's the picture. I want you to imagine, I gave this picture to the congregation here last week, adults. I'm going to give it to you all, children as well. Imagine yourself outside a city, and this city has walls. Everyone with me? Children, you with me? Everyone here? Imagine a great big city with walls. Okay? We're outside of the city, but we're not just outside the city, we're in a prison. We're inside the four walls of a prison cell, and we're shackled. We're prisoners shackled in a prison cell, in a prison, outside the city walls. What can I do about my situation? It's a similar picture, isn't it? Dead. What can I do about this? Nothing. We're all there because deep down in our hearts we're the kind of people who say thanks but no thanks to God and I'd rather do it my way than your way. That's my heart. That's what we're like. That's what we do. That's how we naturally are. And the Lord says, no, that's not okay. That little phrase there, we were deserving of wrath. But then God comes and the resurrection journey is as follows. He comes down to the prison. Here he is. He unties the chains. Now we're free. And he takes us out of the prison cell and he takes us outside the prison and we're going to go further and we're going to go inside the city walls. Now we're inside the city walls. We're heading on in, right? But we're not just going to go inside the city. We're going to go further in. We're going to go to the middle. There's a big hill in the middle of this city. Right, we're going to go up the hill. We're going to go to the palace of the king. But we're not just going to the palace of the king as guests. We're going to the palace of the king as family. We're going to be there. We're going to be seated with the king in those heavenly realms forever. And everything that belongs to the king and all the promises that he promises are ours because we're his children. That's the journey. Did you hear it? God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms from the prison outside the walls all the way up to the top of the mountain, to the palace of the king, to the family of the king. So here's your picture. Box two. You ready for your picture for box two? You with me? Box two, a little map. Could you do this like a bird's eye view? I want you to draw a city with a city wall, like a map. Do the city wall, do the prison outside, right? And then you do the journey. Maybe you could do a dot, 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 going all the way up, all the way to the center of the city, right into the middle where there's a hill, where there's a palace, where there's a king of the kingdom, and you're brought right in to the middle, to the family, like that. Can you draw that little picture? While, it, while you draw that, we've just sung it. How great the chasm that lies between us. We've just sung those lines. That's the chasm. That's the journey. That's the distance that God brings us through as he makes us alive. 
We talk about this, adults, we talk about this, we say this to our own hearts and we talk about it with our children because we want to be a people who cherish Jesus like we ought to. Let me give you some verses of scripture. These aren't songs, I promise you, no Billie Eilish higher. Romans 8, 28, you know these verses. You know these verses, adults. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love, cherish, adore him. It is important that we cherish, love, adore the Lord. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, cherish him, adore him, want to be with him. 2 Timothy 4 verse 8, now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, not only to me, but to all who long for, cherish, can't wait for God's appearing. Unless we realize the journey God has brought us on from the prison, from a place where we're described as deserving of wrath, all the way up to the family and throne, king, kingdom. Unless we go all the way, you won't cherish God as much. If we've gone from somewhere inside the city walls, we're all right, really. We're quite a nice person, really. He just needs to bring us up to the palace. That's not such a great chasm, not such a great distance, so we won't cherish God quite so much. Or if we only go halfway this way, so I was a sinner, I was a terrible person, I know that, I realise God's only just brought you inside the city. That's my thinking. If I think, oh, yeah, I am saved, but really I've just got a place amongst the riffraff, then again you won't cherish the Lord. You've got to see that God's brought you from there all the way to there. And then our hearts go, wow, that's what the Lord has done. Okay, good. Three, here's box three and the final one. Why does God do this? Why does God make Christians? Why is God bringing us that place close to his heart, in his family, in his home? What is he gonna do when we get there? Verse seven, right, can you find verse seven on your sheets? This is box three, this is verse seven. It starts with, in order that, have you got it? Verse seven, in order that, in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Okay, pens down, I want you to imagine this. Children, track with me for a moment. Imagine, um, Someone who is really good at showing you kindness. So think of maybe a nana or a granddad, perhaps. They love to show you kindness. Or maybe there's a school teacher who you just, they're just so good to you, or a family friend. And they, you know when you go to their house, when you go and visit them, they just plan out a whole week of really wonderful, lovely things to do. So Monday, we'll go to the beach, then Monday night, I'll make you your favorite dinner. We'll have spaghetti bolognese. Then Tuesday, we'll go to the zoo. You can sit in the front seat. Then Wednesday, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna make your favorite cake. Then we're gonna go down to the fun fair. I'll buy you a bag of sweets, right? All that kind of thing. 
Someone who loves you and wants to show you kindness, they think of ways. They get creative. They think, I'm going to show this child, this person, I'm going to show them kindness. I want to do it. I want to do it. I'm going to get creative. I'm going to pour myself into the project. I'm going to show you kindness. That is a glimpse, just a glimpse of what we see here in this scripture. He wants, the Lord is bringing us to himself to show us kindness. But here's the thing, in that verse, it just piles on loads and loads of extra adjectives. So it goes like, all right, your Nana might be good at showing you kindness, but your Nana has limited resources. They have limited amounts of money. Not true with God. In that verse, he says, incomparable riches of grace. He has, if our nanas have like a grain of sand worth of resources, the Lord has the Sahara Desert of resources to show us kindness for the rest of forever. And if our nanas have a week, you know, where we're going to see them, the Lord has endless coming ages. Did you see that? In order that, we could have verse 7 back on the screens, in order that, in the coming ages. How many ages are there? All of them. All of the coming ages, he might show us incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness. See how that, that sentence just pulls like, it's just going to pile on lots and lots of describing words to get you to see how kind the Lord is. So box three, children, can you maybe write down or draw just one thing that your nana or someone lovely who loves to show you kindness might do with you on a day out, on a day trip? Might be an adventure island, you know, you're going to the theme park, you could draw a roller coaster. Might be a cake, because you're going to make a lovely cake. It might be um, you're going to the zoo to see the animals. And think as you draw it. Think of that person who's so kind to you. And then think, that is just a snapshot, just a glimpse at the kindness of the Lord. And while the children draw their final box, adults, here's my final thought. Perhaps you want to pray about this. Um, I want to make the offer after the service today, if you'd like to receive some prayer. I'll be there. I'm going to go and sit over on the side there. Maybe you just want to. Others can join me as well, by the way, ministry team. Maybe you just want to rehearse the kindness of God. For some reason, we've forgotten just how good and gracious the Lord is. And this verse here just needs to wash over us again. This is where the Lord is bringing me. To a place of incomparable kindness for endless long ages. And he's done it, though I was in the pit, though I was beyond the city walls and in the prison. If you want to just pray that through, you know, and bring, we can fold in some other things that are going on for you in your life at the moment. We'll fold all that in and we'll just pray together and spend some time praying, Lord, what a salvation and what a good God you are. And use some of these verses to do that. Summary, here we go, final summary. I'm going, to use, I'm going to use the lyrics that we've just been singing. Number one, 
When we sing, get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. Get up, get up, get up, get up out of that grave. That is a prayer. It's always a prayer. It's only ever a prayer. God makes Christians. That's box one. Box two, we sing, hell lost another one, I am free. We also sing, you healed my heart, you changed my name, forever free, I'm not the same. There it is, it's all there. The great distance that God has brought us in salvation, all the way down from the pit, from the, pit, from the prison, from the dungeon outside the city, all the way up to the throne room and family of the king. And then three, um, I had to work a bit harder for this one. From now till I walk, streets of gold. We sing that as well. The streets of gold. Right? It's, it's a picture. It's another picture of what it's, what it's going to be like in the presence of the Lord. Streets of gold. Maybe not very expensive paving stones, but certainly, yes, incredible shows of kindness. God will be kind he will be kind to us with all of God's limitless resources for all of the coming ages. That's what we're here for. That is why we worship, isn't it? Let's pray. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you so much for these wonderful scriptures. Ephesians 2, we should preach this every few weeks, really, to remind ourselves of the goodness, the grace the generousness, the kindness of your heart towards us, Lord God. We thank you. We want to rehearse, Lord, in our minds how good you are, to know it more deeply, so that we'll cherish, so that we'll cherish and love and long for you, Lord Jesus, more and more. Pray that for all of us, from the very youngest to the very eldest. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.